My name is Fitz, and I'm the CEO of the Fitz Group. I'm glad you've chosen to listen to this week's excerpt from our weekly builder's call. This call is designed to help you move beyond personal sales and into building a business in the insurance industry. On one end of the income spectrum, we've helped a ton of agents make an additional $50,000 a year in override income on top of their sales income. And on the other end of the spectrum, we've helped a number of leaders make in excess of $1 million annually through the development of the override income into a business. And now, on to today's lesson. If you're new to the call, uh, on the training portion of this builder's call, what I like to do is, uh, based on conversations I'm having with people over the last couple of weeks, looking at the trends, uh, feeling, getting a pulse for the team and what they need to hear uh, on this call, or it may just be something I feel like, you know, I just, just gathered some information and I need to pass it out. Uh, actually, this training uh, comes from my lovely bride. Uh, last week at Spring Forward, we had, uh, uh, that we did uh, here in the office, we had 50 people uh, between online and in the, in the room, you know, around 50, 50, 52 people or something like that, uh, that participated in that. Uh, we had some extra credit training that we were going to do last week if we had time and there was a game that was going to go along with it. Uh, my wife challenged me to do the training today, uh, that, uh, that, that everybody needs to hear it. Uh, but then she also challenged me to do the game on online. And I don't know, uh, that we're that good at being interactive on this just yet. So I don't know that I'm going to do the game. Uh, but we are going to jump into uh, some training that uh, Heather recommended we go through today. Six ways to make people like you. Uh, this is not a new training to the, to the Fitz group. It may be new to you, uh, but this is something that I've taught on uh, many times and, uh, and we'll continue to teach on it because this is, man, so much of this business is just getting people to like you, whether you're in the home selling or on the phone booking an interview or whether you, uh, excuse me, booking an, an appointment or whether you're recruiting, so much of it is about getting people to like you, uh, getting underwriters to like you, uh, and, and issue your business. I mean, it's, it just goes on and on and on uh, about getting people to like you. And so what I've done here is I've combined really uh, two different books with one common topic. The first book uh, is Skill with People. I believe in giving credit where credit is due. Uh, I did not make up any of this content today. I'm just, uh, I just put it together uh, for a single training. But uh, Skill with People uh, my copy of this book, I think, is 33 pages and 15 chapters. Uh, this is a book that I believe should be read once a week, once a month at the absolute uh, worst case scenario. Uh, it is a very easy book to read. You can read it in one sitting. It does not take long. Uh, Skill with People by Les Giblin. He's got a longer book called How to Have Confidence and Power in Dealing with People. It is a longer book. Skill with People, I feel like, is the cliff note version of his bigger book. Uh, though I read Skill with People first and thought that was fantastic. Then I read his other book and got more details on it. This, there is no fluff. Uh, John Maxwell is famous for saying that uh, all books have about 80% fluff and 20% meat. And he said, you can trust me on this. I'm an author. I'm telling you, 80% fluff, 20% meat. This book is not big enough to have fluff. <laughs> it, it is just straight up meat. Bam, 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 bam. And uh, I encourage you to read this book, study this book. Um, you'll know you're getting it when you say things that are coming straight out of this book. You'll know when you're, when you're quoting Les Giblin in a conversation, uh, you've read the book plenty. Uh, and I encourage you to read it again and again and again. Uh, the second book is How to, have win, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Uh, this is a legendary book at this point. Uh, been around for a long time, uh, but uh, it's just it's just a foundational book. I really believe that you could read through chapter two of how to win friends and influence people and be totally 
uh, different person, a better person, one that is uh, more influential uh, in your world. And um, th- so, so in, I just remember back in college when I first read this book, uh, my, my friends made fun of me for reading it. I, you just learning how to manipulate people. You know, they were, they were mocking me for reading it. I was like, no, I'm, I'm really reading this to learn how to influence people and, and, and win friends. Like I, I want to know these things because I want to be a leader. I want to be somebody who, who impacts the world by leading people to where they need to go. I, I, that's what I want. They made fun of me, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's worked out well for me. I'm, I'm not going to say how it worked out for them. Uh, but it worked out well for me. And, and I really, really like this book. So six ways to make people like you is literally a section in this book, how to win friends and influence people. So what I did was I took his six things and I'm going to report those six things to you, but then I'm, I'm going to fill it in with uh, some Les Giblin commentary, some quotes from Les Giblin's book that I feel like goes along with that particular section. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Number one, you want somebody to like you, become genuinely interested in them. Uh, number one is become genuinely interested in other people. But if you want somebody to like you, become interested in them. Don't, um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's interesting watching people have conversations. Don't be somebody who is uh, waiting for the other person to stop talking so you can talk about yourself. Uh, I see this in my family. Uh, I see this with friends um, and, and, and family. <laughs> become genuinely interested in in them. Find out about them. The the best conversationalists I know are people who are genuinely interested in other people. So Les Giblin says people are primarily interested in themselves, not in you. So if if you want to uh, be friends with them, if you want to uh, win them to your side and, and your way of thinking, then be interested in them because that's what they're interested in, uh, not you. Don't wait for them to breathe so you can tell them about something that you did. Don't be that one-upper that's waiting for you know, their story to finish so you can tell them the better story that happened for you. Don't be that person. People are primarily interested in themselves, not in you. Les Giblin also said, as long as you live, never forget that any fool can disagree with people and that it takes a wise man, a shrewd man, a big man to agree, particularly when the other person is wrong. This one's, this one's hard for me. Uh, I'm still working on this one myself. You know, I, just because I, I teach stuff doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. Uh, actually, it means that I'm working on it. <laughs> when I'm teaching it, I'm just working on it. And teaching is helping me get better at it. But this is one of those things. My, I, I, I joke, and it's not, I don't know that's really a joke, but my family is genetically predispositioned to, to be right. That's my family. My, not, I'm not talking about my wife and kids. I'm, I mean, the family I grew up in, I'm the youngest of four. And Thanksgiving dinners are interesting. And you can see now when we get together as a family and eat meals, the, the in-laws kind of go off to their little corner. Uh, and, then, and then there's us, you know, and there's, there's been lively debates and lively conversation and nobody at that table is ever wrong. <laughs> um, so it, this, was, this was something I had to work on myself. I had to overcome myself. I had to get better at myself. Um, and it, it's tough. Like this is, this is one of those things that uh, I'm, I'm trying to pass on to my kids because I see my kids, they'll argue, argue, argue. If you've got kids, you've witnessed this yourself. It's not like my kids are unique in that. But I, I'm, I'm constantly bringing it up to them. Is, is it important that you're right here? Is it really important? that is it okay that you let them be right this time? But dad, they're wrong. It doesn't matter. You can let them be right still, even though they're wrong. Um, <laughs> it's, it, we see it going on in the world today. Uh, you know, currently, 
uh, you may be listening to this, you know, a month from now, and who knows what's happened by then, but, but currently in our world right now, everybody wants to be heard, but nobody wants to listen. Everybody wants to be right, but nobody's willing to let somebody else be right just to get along. Right. And, and I, the, I, the old phrase is you got to get along to, to go along, right? You, you've got to get along with each other in order to move forward. And so I'm not, I, I still work on this because in my head, I just know I'm right. I know I'm right. And I know a lot of you guys feel that same way, but can we this week, can we let somebody else be right even when they're wrong? How do you do that, Fitz? Just go, okay, awesome. Uh, one of the phrases I love, I, I learned from my friend Jeff Bright. And it's, uh, you know, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. I'm not sure what to do with that right now, but I really appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Now you move on to another conversation. How about that? I mean, that, that's letting them be right. I remember Joanne uh, on our staff, all you guys know Joanne Paddock, and uh, I remember years ago she telling me that uh, when she and her late husband Pat would get in a conversation or an argument, if you will, uh, he would say, I don't have to be right right now. <laughs> she said it took a few years before she realized that he was saying he still believed he was right. But the point is, he didn't need to be right right then. It's okay to, let the, the, to, to clear the air and move to another topic. I distinctly remember having a conversation with my mentor, Andy, uh, before I moved out to Texas. I was in his basement. We were building businesses together, but even before the insurance business. And we were having an argument. It was an argument. And eventually he said, well, Fitz, what do you want me to agree to? And I said this. I laid out what I, my point. He said, I agree. Let's move on. And we moved on about 10 minutes later. And this was a big teaching point for me. About 10 minutes later, he said, remember 10 minutes ago when I said that I agree? He said, I said, yeah. He said, I don't. I still don't agree with you, but I agreed so we can move on to something more important, which for us as business owners, it was making money. Like we were trying to build a business and that point wasn't necessarily about making money. It was about both of us wanting to be right. He gave in as long as you live, never forget that any fool can disagree with people and that it takes a wise man, a shrewd man, a big man, man being the species, not the gender uh, to, to agree particularly when the other person is wrong. Man, I love that. Number two, second way to make people like you, smile. Smile. Now, I've always thought, and I grew up in the country, uh, right? And so when you see a dog in the country, you can, you, you can tell a lot about that dog just by looking at the body language of that dog. If the dog's tail is wagging, uh, probably happy, probably friendly. Uh, if the dog's tail is not wagging, <laughs> Uh, if it's if it's down between its legs, probably scared. If it's straight out, uh, you you might want to back away and find another way out of there that you don't have to face that dog. Uh, well, um, uh, for people, a smile is a wagging tail. A, a smile to a person is a wagging tail to a dog. Um, that's that's that lets other people know that you're friendly. It lets other people know that you that you're approachable. Um, I I believe, and, and this it's it's interesting that I. Uh, you know, when I used to make dials and booking appointments, I don't, I don't book appointments anymore, but when I made dials and booked appointments, I uh, always had a mirror right beside me. And on the phone, I was making sure that I was smiling, not weird, not creepy, but, but genuinely a, a, a nice smile that when I looked in the mirror, I felt like that was a nice person I was looking at. And if, if I felt that by looking at that, hopefully that was translating over the phone. That was the idea. Uh, I know that when I'm doing uh, Zoom meetings for coaching conversations, uh, even right now as I'm talking on the builder's call, like I, I'm, I'm focusing on the camera because I want you to feel like I'm looking at you, but I keep glancing over at my camera right over there um, 
to see if I like what I see. Um, not that I'm narcissistic and, you know, just really ad admire myself. I, I like looking over though, because if, if I like the body language that I'm putting out there, then it's probably going to come across on the call. Um, smile. Maybe you need to practice smiling. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I like showing some teeth when you smile, if you can, um, look in the mirror, smile. And that, I, you don't want to be creepy. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the animated beauty and the beast. The first time that the beast smiles, it was like, ew, he had all these teeth and it was kind of creepy. You also don't want to be like a stalker kind of smile. Uh, uh, you don't, you don't want to be that guy. Um, but you do need a good, genuine smile. It's very disarming, uh, for others. It lets them know that you're not there to fight, but you are there to get along. Uh, and people will just like you better. I, when I was in college, I was a psych major. Maybe some of you guys were too. And I remember as a psych major, you had to go through these different experiments to get your hours in the lab, right? You had to be a subject. Um, and I remember going through the, uh, the, the psychology test where you had to look at these faces and determine whether this person was a friendly person. Uh, whether, you know, what, what, what did you uh, determine based on this person? And the studies revealed that people who were smiling in those pictures that we were judging typically got the more favorable adjectives. <laughs> they were described more favorably. That person looks friendly. I bet that person's rich. I bet that person's like super nice and has a million friends. No, no, we don't know what the stories were on these pictures, but the smiles got more favorable ratings. Studies show. <laughs> Les Giblin, skill with people. He says in the first second, that instant when you first establish eye contact, before you say anything, before you break silence, Give people your sincere smile. Give people your sincere smile. That smile can tell them more than you're going to tell them, right? And, and that smile makes them feel more welcomed than anything you could say. Les Giblin also says, if you're grateful to people and if you let those people know you are grateful, almost always they will give you more the next time. I've Heather and I have been so grateful for all the feedback we've given, we've gotten rather on this recent spring forward. We did the recent teaching we did. We're grateful for that. And no, you know what that is, that that's burning in us. Now you guys are telling us that you're grateful to us. We want to do better next time. Like we, we want to deliver more next time. Uh, we, we want to get another shot at, at making it great. Well, that's because we're feeling the gratitude and we feel it right back. Well, oftentimes a smile is an easy way to show gratitude. You know, that the, you're at the, at, at, at the restaurant and the, 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 uh, the lady, the waitress or waiter, you know, brings you some uh, refill of tea, you know, and, and you just give them a good smile. Say, thank you. Thank you. That's so, I'm so grateful for that tea. Thank you. Like just smile. And, and what you'll see is they will try to do better next time. They will, the next, the next time they bring you another glass of tea or the next time you're back in that restaurant, they'll remember you as the friendly person. If you're grateful to people, and if you let those people know you're grateful, almost always they'll give you more the next time. Smile. Okay? Number three, third way of making people like you. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. My name is screwed up. My first name is spelled A-L-E-X. The world, literally, the world pronounces that Alex. My family pronounces it Alec. And uh, people have screwed it up my whole life. I've been called Alex and Alec and all kinds of stuff. It's L lick, L, L lick, right? And, uh, and people get it wrong. That's, I've been Fitz. I introduced myself as Fitz for a long time because um, 
because people can't get my first name right. And, you know, Fitz is the first part of my last name, Fitzgerald. So I, I do that, but then people will screw the Fitz part up and they'll call me Fritz. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you? You'd have, you'd have had no chance with my first name. I'm, I'm glad I gave you Fitz and, and even that you screwed up. I, I, you know, people with jacked up names like myself, people whose names are constantly mispronounced like myself, um, we get it. Um, we, 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 we've gotten over it. Uh, my name has been mispronounced so many times when people say Alex, it doesn't bother me in the least. Uh, anymore. It used to when I was a kid. I got in trouble in fifth grade for it, but that's another story. I, I, it, it's important to me, but when somebody takes the effort to get my name right, now don't feel like you are obligated to call me Alec. It's okay to call me Fitz, uh, but, but when people try to say my name right, it just, it just feels awesome. I, I just, I, I so appreciate they took that effort to get it right. Uh, when people are, are trying to say my, my name right, but they get it wrong. I'm not offended at that, but just remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. So learn their name. Um, maybe you need tricks to remember their name. Uh, but if you can say their name, they, they long for that. Uh, people jump on national calls just to hear their name called. You know, people love hearing that name. I mean, we, we love ourselves, right? We, we are all very self-centered in a lot of ways. We want to hear that. And so one of the things I do, and when I meet somebody for the first time and getting and trying to get their name right, uh, what I do is I'll repeat it back to them. They say their name, I say it back to them. Did I say it right? Yes. And then I try to use it in a sentence or two. Uh, so it just is ingraining in my brain. I'm getting it. It's, it's, it's getting attached in there and I'll get it right. Now, occasionally, and this happens occasionally, I'll meet somebody in the middle of meeting five different people. I'll meet somebody and I didn't, I got their name and I repeated their name, but five minutes later, I can't remember their name. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with, with going back to that person and say, I'm so sorry. I'm terribly embarrassed. Remind me of your name. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people won't take that extra effort to, to learn that person's name. And then they end up not using that person's name and they miss out on the opportunity to say the thing that is the, the sweetest and most important sound in any language to that person, their, their name. Like, so if you didn't get somebody's name, there's nothing wrong with, humbling yourself and saying, I forgot your name already. I'm so sorry. Please tell me your name. I want to get it right. There's nothing wrong with that. People like that you took that extra effort to learn that sound. Okay. Les Giblin says, take these words out of your vocabulary. I, me, my, mind. Substitute with the word you. Don't talk about you. Talk about them. Don't use your name. Use their name. Don't use I. Use you. Talk about it. The focus is on them. If you find yourself talking about yourself in that conversation. Now, it'd be weird to refer to your name in the third party, kind of like Bob Dole used to do. Bob Dole doesn't approve of that. Like, if, if, if that would be weird for you to do that. Um, but take these words out of your vocabulary. Take the I, me, my, mind and, and substitute it so that you're now talking about them. Les Giblin also says, be proud of yourself, but not conceited of who you are, of what you do, of where you work. Don't apologize for your station in life or for yourself. You are what you are. So handle yourself with pride and respect. Now, this is taking a little bit different angle. Dale Carnegie said, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. That's true for you too. Your name is the sweetest, most important sound in any language. Take pride in your name. Take pride in who you are. Now, I, I, I've, I've heard it said you shouldn't be proud of yourself. You shouldn't take pride in things. Okay, well, you know, be overly joyed at yourself. 
you know, take great pleasure in your name. Yeah, whatever, however you want to substitute that word proud. I'm not saying it in a healthy way. I see it says, less given said, but not conceited. Be proud of yourself. Be proud of what you do for a living. Be, be, be proud of you know, the fact that we sell insurance here at the Fitz Group and life insurance. I mean, this is the one thing guaranteed that if you buy it, you're going to use it because uh, you're going to die. And when you die, is your family going to be better off or worse off? Like, Take pride in that. Take pride in the fact that you offer tax-free retirement. Who else offers that? Uh, nobody, right? So you are what you are. You, you are who you are. So handle yourself with pride and respect. Number four, Dale Carnegie says, be a good listener. What? <laughs> be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. So I, I hope one day that I can introduce you guys to some of our friends that uh, uh, they were just at our house yesterday. Um, they're, they're some of our best friends in the world, and they are the best question askers ever. Uh, and I, I mean, seriously, we knew them for like five years before we really knew what they did for a living because they were just so good at asking questions and getting us to talk about ourselves that it was really hard to redirect it and get them talking about themselves again, because we like talking about ourselves. All of us like talking about ourselves. Well, they had us doing that and they were listening and they were learning and they were figuring us out really quickly. And, and it was almost, a, a, it was, I want to say disarming. It was, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was weird. Uh, let me go with weird. It was weird because I, I felt like they knew so much about me and I didn't know as much about them the first few years. Now we've been friends for 15 years or something, but now we know a lot about each other and the conversation is very uh, bi-directional. Like it's, it's back and forth. It's a dialogue rather than a monologue now, but be a good listener and encourage others to talk about themselves. Get really good at asking questions of them. Um, you know, uh, I, I uh, um, thinking about, um, sorry, thinking about like um, Dr. Phil, the, the, on TV. Um, sorry, getting distracted by my computer. ADD kicked in. Uh, and how does that make you feel? You know, that's a great question to ask. How does that make you feel? And how's that working for you? And, you know, just get, get good at asking questions um, of others to get them to talk about themselves. The more you can do that, the better they're going to like your conversation. Because again, they're talking about themselves, their favorite topic. A good listener always winds up far ahead of a good talker in the affections of people. That's what Les Giblin says. A good listener always winds up far ahead of a good talker in the affections of people. Um, the book of Proverbs says, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, essentially, it's, it's one thing to look like a fool. It's a whole other thing to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Even a fool seems wise when he's listening. Even a fool seems wise when he's listening. So a good listener always winds up far ahead of a good, uh, ahead of a good talker in the affections of people. Uh, the better listener you are, the more people want to talk to you. The, the better they feel about you. Again, it circles back around because you're talking about them and getting them to talk about them. That's their favorite topic. So Les Giblin also says, give people reasons to say yes to you. Ask yes questions. Give people a choice between two yeses. Expect people to say yes to you and let them know they're expected to say yes. Oftentimes when you're asking questions, it's okay to nod. That's, that's a, a subliminal message to them that they're supposed to agree. <laughs> but, but you're doing it while you're listening, not while you're talking, right? Um, let's move on. Point five, the fifth way to make people like you. Talk in terms of the other person's interests. This is, get, I mean, you getting the point here? It's about them. It's not about you. It's kind of like our in-home presentation. We have a section called the about me section. It's not about you though. It's about them. It's all about them. In conversations, if you want people to like you, it has to be about them and not about you. 
what if they ask me about me, Fitz? Am I supposed to ignore their question? No, of course not. Be human. But at the same time, turn it back around and get to talking about them again. Talk in terms of the other person's interest. When you know, Les Giblin says, when you know what, pe- what moves people, you then know how to move them. When you know what moves people, you then know how to move them. Early on, a new agent coming on board, we like to find out where they're looking to go, how fast they want to get there. How many apps does that mean you need to write this week? We want to know what moves them to get them to get on the phone and start making dials. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, budding leaders ask me, Fitz, how, how do I motivate my people? Right here. Les Gibble is telling us right here. When you know what moves people, you then know how to move them. Talk in terms of their interest, what they are trying to do, not what you're trying to do, what they are trying to do, and, and, and make them see the logical uh, progression is to do what you're asking them to do. Uh, I've heard Andy Andrews say that um, you don't have to hit rock bottom in order to change. Right? In order to change, a person needs to see what's in it for them, talk in terms of the other person's interest, and give them an overwhelming amount of evidence preponderance of evidence that that doing this will help them get what they want that's how you get somebody to change that's how you motivate somebody Les Giblin also says people won't have the slightest doubt that what you tell them indirectly is true yet they'll be highly skeptical if you say it yourself so speak through third persons people won't have the slightest doubt that what you tell them indirectly is true yet they will be highly skeptical if you say it yourself so speak through third persons you can quote books uh, I think in the example um, in the, in skill with people, Les Giblin says, Hey, you know, talking to your neighbor about selling them this lawnmower. Well, how's it, how well does the lawnmower work? How long does it last? I don't know how long it lasts, but you know, my friend has had his running for 10 years. It still works perfectly. It's better than giving them actual quotes, um, telling stories. We, we talk about this when you're in the home selling insurance, life insurance, it's, it's not telling that person they need to buy It's telling that person what happened with your other client who bought or the other prospective client who didn't buy. They, they, they are skeptical. People are skeptical of what you're telling them directly. It's coming from you, not from a third party. But when you say this is what this person did or this is what the other person did, they're more interested in that and they believe that. People want to do what other people are doing. Peer pressure is a real thing and it doesn't stop in high school, <laughs> right? So when you're talking with other people, talk about other people in that situation. I know exactly how you feel. I had another client that felt the same way. Here's what they found. I know exactly how you feel. I had this other agent that felt the same way. Here's what they found. Feel, felt, found. People won't have the slightest doubt that what you tell them indirectly is true. Yet they'll be highly skeptical if you say it yourself. If you're telling, you're not selling. (laughs) Number six, sixth way to make somebody like you, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Oh, my goodness. I cannot stand those people. I don't know if they're sincere or not. I'm not going to judge their heart, but I'm going to judge how it makes me feel. There's people in my world that just pat me on the back. Oh, you're just the greatest. I just love you. And Hey, I'm going to come to Dallas and come out and see you and spend some time and help you with with this or that. Or I just, oh, you're so wonderful. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve. Like people who just, I, I can, I can't, I can't judge somebody else's heart, but I can judge my heart and I can judge how I feel when that person's around me. And you know, those people in your life, I was describing about eight people just then, but you probably thought of one that makes you feel that way. (laughs) As I was just using all those sentences that these, 
I call them greasy. They're greasy. They just feel greasy. I, they, they, they pat me on the back and I go, man, I gotta wipe my shirt. You just feel greasy. I got to wash my shirt. This is nasty. You know, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Um, a lot of times you can make them feel important just by asking them questions. When somebody's being asked questions, they feel like, wow, that person, that, that other person is asking me the questions. They want to know about me. What, what did I do to make them want to know about me? Like it's, it's, it's just, wow. You know, uh, when you say things like practice saying them before you say them to somebody, but it needs to come from a sincere place. Don't just say things to people to flatter. Uh, flattery, um, they say flattery gets you anywhere. That's the old saying. I disagree. People who uh, practice the art of flattery with me, uh, it, it gets them about 30 seconds and I'm on to something else mentally because I don't think this person is truthful and I don't want to be around somebody who's not truthful. So you, you might, if you're struggling with this one of, of making somebody feel important and doing it sincerely, maybe practice saying things before you say them, you know, record yourself saying things and listen to it and say, does that sound sincere? Now I say stuff like record yourself and see if it sounds sincere. And I know that like less than 1% of anybody listening to this audio ever is ever going to do that. Less than 1%. But I, I know this about me. I am a professional and I want to get better at what I do. So uh, even this recording I'm doing right now, I'm going to listen to it again. What's well, Fitz, you taught it. <laughs> Why are you listening to it again? Well, sometimes, sometimes things come out that I, I, uh, I say in a teaching that I didn't even plan to say, but it came out and it was really good. And I listen to it later. And I go, ooh, that's really good. I'm, I want to remember that one, right? Like sometimes that happens. Um, but you know, uh, I also listen to it to hear from a, from a critical perspective, do I like what I'm hearing? Does this person seem genuine or do they seem fake? Because I don't want to be around somebody that's fake. You don't want to be around somebody that's fake. So I listen to my recordings later and, and maybe record your phone calls. Uh, maybe record your in-home presentations with permission from the client, of course. Maybe record your interviews with permission. Like, but, but do it and listen to how you're saying things and does it come across real or does it come across fake? You don't want to be fake. Les Giblin says, the more important you make people feel, the more they will respond to you. If you make people feel little, insignificant, if you make people feel worthless, uh, without value, if you make the, the smaller you make somebody feel, the bigger you make yourself feel, the less they're going to want to be around you, the less, the less they're going to respond to you. When you make somebody feel important, feel big, like it's, you know, you're trying to get people to your local meeting, make them feel sincerely that them being at the meeting is important to the meeting. It's important to the people around them. It's important to their own well-being. The more important you make them feel, the more they're going to respond to you. And they'll keep showing up to the meetings. Les Giblin also says, be generous with your praise. Be generous with your praise. Look for somebody and something to praise and then do it. The praise must be sincere. Praise the act, not the person. This is a big deal when raising children, but leadership is leadership, so it's the same with raising adults. <laughs> it's the same as raising insurance agents. Be generous with your praise. Look for somebody and something to praise, and then do it. The praise must be sincere, and this is important. Praise the act, not the person. Because other people can't be that person, but other people can do what that person did. It, it's it, around our house. You know, we... We, we, we praise uh, a child for, 
thinking of somebody else and, and getting them a drink or thinking of somebody else and, and clearing their plate or, you know, throwing their trash away, picking up after somebody else. Like we praise that, but we're not praising the person. We're not praising the kid because the other kids can't be that kid, but the other kids can do what they did. And that's a big deal. Be generous with your praise. It, it never hurts to praise. It's never a bad thing, but you got to be sincere. Don't be fake about it. Let's review real quick. Number one, six ways to make people like you. Number one, be genuinely interested in other people. Number two, smile. Number three, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Number four, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interests. And number six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with the Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.